In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. Unless you are really rich or really important, you have never heard of this Ontario island or the exclusive hunting club that sits on it. But just from that description, I bet you can imagine what it's like. And as far as I know, you'd be right. Now, I would tell you how much it costs to be a member of this exclusive club, but we don't know. I'd tell you who the club's members are, but we don't know that either. I do know that past members have included titans of industry and sport and members of Ontario governments from all parties. Now, what happens there? Well, it's safe to say that it's a lot of hunting. Like, a lot, a lot. As in, the gamekeeper needs to raise 25,000 birds to get the job. And the people who want to hunt those birds, and most importantly, the deer on the island, have a lot of time to do it. As in, way, way more time than the average hunter. And the current Ontario government just added two more full weeks to the island's rifle deer hunting season. The average Ontario rifle hunter gets less than two weeks total. And nobody will say why. So what's going on? Who's benefiting? Why won't anyone talk about it? What is Griffith Island, exactly? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Emma McIntosh is an Ontario reporter with the Narwhal who investigated Griffith Island. Hey, Emma. Hi, good to be here. Well, thanks for coming back on the show, and I just, I want you to start by telling people what and where is Griffith Island? Sure. So Griffith Island is just off the coast of Georgian Bay on the Bruce Peninsula. Um, So it's about a three hour drive north of Toronto, except like instead of it just being a drive, you'd have to drive to Wyerton and then grab a ferry. Hmm. So yeah, it's a bit of a hike, but it's this island. It's part of a trio of islands actually on that bay. And it is home to the very luxurious Griffith Island Club. Right. And that's what we're talking about today. But maybe first, give give me a sense of the island, the flora, fauna, club, etc. Do people live there year round? What else is there? All that stuff. Yeah. So people do live year round. Uh, there are staff on the island that hang around in the winter as well to make sure things are running and keep it going. Um, but it really comes alive in the summer and in the fall during hunting season. 
when the clientele who attend the club are there more often. There's not much else there except for the deer and the other game that they're there to hunt. But there is a lighthouse on one side of the island. There's an airstrip. Okay. And of course, there's a lot of like gun ranges and clay courses for the hunters. So the island's almost exclusively a hunting club. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just like the hunters who go. You know, I've spent many an hour on Instagram scrolling through photos that are tagged to Griffith Island. Um, And, you know, people are going to swim. They're going to hang out. It's also like a social thing. Right. The other things that I saw on social media were just kind of like this Muskoka glamour. Um, that that might be familiar to anyone who spent time in in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, there were a lot of photos of um, of ladies in billowing white dresses at the steps of a private plane, or you know, napkins embroidered with the club's logo. A ton of photos of guys with guns posing next to like heaps of pheasants and, and deer that they bagged. My favorite photo was this teenage boy in a fur coat who's holding. A, a wad of cash, like the size of his head in one hand. And then this absolutely enormous bottle of brown liquid in the other, like all kind of posed in front of a gun rack. <laughs> and obviously Instagram doesn't tell the full story, right? But it really... It's um, a vibe, as they say. Yeah, it has a vibe for sure. Do we know anybody who's a member now? Who's doing this hunting? So I've really struggled to find information about the club's current membership list Most of what I was able to figure out comes from uh, the club's corporate registration and also from social media. So Brian Burke, an NHL executive who some folks might know, has posted about being at the club. So has Chip Foster, who co-founded the clothing line Chip and Pepper, which I believe people 10 years older than me or so might be familiar with. The MPPs and MP for the area have definitely been there and have posted about it. And in general, like looking at the corporate registration, there are some big names. One of them was actually the CEO or is the CEO of Porter Airlines. Although um, he told me that he's actually not involved with the club anymore because he got too busy. Uh, Some of the other people whose names were listed on that registration are people who are big in mining, people who are uh, big names in road construction, which is a big industry in Ontario. Um, even people from Florida and people who live in other countries. So hmm. it's an interesting thing. <laughs> but nothing's official. Yeah, nothing's official. And also that corporate registration hadn't been updated in, in quite a few years. And so I don't believe it's a, an accurate current list of who might be involved in running the club. So what is this club then? How long has it been around? And, you know, you mentioned scrolling through Instagram This is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this story, because it's almost impossible to find out anything real about this club. So tell me about it. Yeah, the secrecy when it comes to Griffith Island is very real. So the club has only existed since 1975, but hunting has been going on on Griffith Island for a lot longer. It actually used to belong to General Motors, the Frigid Air Division specifically, and they used it for uh, what the Globe and Mail called in 1957, the schooling and recreation of executives. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, it didn't end so well. The the company had it for about 13 years, but one of its senior executives died in a hunting accident, and then they got rid of it, which is a bit dark. 
But by 1975, the island goes into the hands of some wealthy businessmen who decide to start the nonprofit Griffith Island Club. And it's actually very deeply enmeshed with Ontario politics right from the beginning. How so? The club's first president, Jordan, was actually Ontario Premier John Robarts, who at that point was moved on from that role. But yeah, from the get-go, it was a, a political location. Some of those other early members were Frederick Eaton, the president of Eaton's Canada at the time. Um, there was a guy from like the Labatt Brewery who went. Yeah, and even then, you know, they had a pretty generous hunting season. A Windsor Star reporter who visited the island found the most curious thing um, that hunters there were allowed to hunt pheasant for seven months, even though everywhere else in the province, hunters only got two weeks. Okay, this is the crux of the thing now. So maybe explain this in a little more depth. Just how different are the hunting privileges on Griffith Island compared to what a typical uh, licensed Ontario hunter would be allowed? Yeah, that's a great question. So to start, like what I'm going to be talking about right here is rifle season for deer. So the way it works is depending on which weapon you're using, you can hunt for a different length of time. And that's because if you're hunting with like a crossbow, um, you're probably not capable of bagging as many deer as you would be if you had a rifle or a shotgun. So the hunting season for other types of weapons is longer, but we're talking about rifles here. Most hunters in Ontario have this open season that lasts about two weeks. Usually it's like 13 days. In farther northern Ontario, they can have more time because the, the population management is different up there and there are often fewer hunters. But for southern Ontario, everything pretty much south of Sudbury, two weeks is about the norm. Mm-hmm. On Griffith Island, until very recently, that season was 11 weeks. And thanks to a change that the government made earlier this year, it's actually now 13, which is the longest in the province. Okay. Why? Oh my God, Jordan, I would love to know. I would, I would simply love to know. I've asked the government to explain it and they won't. The best we've got is this little posting that they made when they were consulting the public about this change. It was kind of buried with a bunch of other hunting season adjustments where they said that this would help them better manage deer on the island. And also, this is a quote, increase opportunity for clients and club members. I asked the province why it was concerned with opportunities that would be had by members of this private club, who at least in 1975 paid $20,000 a year to join. Yeah, and they they just didn't respond. And I guess to be fair, like, I should explain, there are some reasons why this could be necessary. Okay. Yeah, so managing deer populations on islands can get very weird. Humans have already kind of thrown all of these ecosystems out of balance. I've written about other cases where, like, say, wolves and their prey get trapped on an island together, and the prey declines very, very quickly. But in this case, uh, there aren't really predators at play. So one thing that you know, the Ontario Federation of Anglers and Hunters raised to me is that it it might just be that because of that lack of predators, these deer need more population control. So having a longer season could keep them in balance. That's fine and good, but the government isn't saying that. Right. And there are also those two other islands that are right next to Griffith Island that you think would be kind of similar, 
Well, one of them, which is also a private island, is 13 weeks, but the other island isn't. So who lives on the other island? The other island's just normal people. Uh huh. It's called White Cloud, and it's just private landowners who hunt on their own property. The other island that has the 13-week season, however, is is very different. That one um, actually sold for millions of dollars recently, and it was kind of marketed as a luxury retreat for the elite. Um, very similar to Griffith Island, just not with a club. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. Okay, so leaving aside for the moment uh, the exclusivity of this club, um, the money it must take to be a member, and the secrecy around the membership list, how common is it for exceptions like this to the hunting season to be made in other regions of Ontario, you know? And and when those are made, how are they typically explained? Because what I'm trying to get at here is— why I guess this feels so mysterious, which I think is what drew us to this story. Yeah, that's what drew me to it as well. You know, I'll be honest, the the Ontario government hasn't really done a great job of explaining other situations like this either. But there are a couple of other places that have longer seasons. And usually that will happen because there's some sort of unique wildlife management concern there that needs to, to be addressed you know, the Ontario Federation of Anglers and Hunters told me that there are cases in southwestern Ontario where management of deer became a problem and a longer season was needed. You know, it's it's hard to find a concrete explanation of that either, <laughs> to be fair. Right. But I think what really gives people pause when it comes to Griffith Island is the confluence of two things. It's the long season. Yeah. But it's also who gets to enjoy it. You know, this club has a very, very exclusive clientele. Mm-hmm. Just to give you a sense of like what what it's like, it has a, a gourmet private chef who feeds the guests meals. They have a games room and a sauna. And, you know, I've seen some photos of the interior and it's all like glossy leather and uh, stag's heads and uh, a little airstrip on the island for chartered aircraft. Like it's it's an expensive, luxurious place. And... When the impression is, you know, you have three islands all in the same chain. Two of them are owned by rich people. One of them isn't. Two of them have a super long hunting season. One of them doesn't. I think it kind of naturally brings up some questions. What do we know about what that extra long hunting season actually means? Like, how many deer are taken off this island and and how normal is it? So, um, for many years reporting those numbers was voluntary. A lot of these uh, wildlife management units in Ontario, which is kind of how they divvy up hunting rules, um, did report numbers anyway, while it wasn't mandatory. Griffith Island didn't. So we only really have a couple years of data. That being said, um, usually they bag around 70 deer a year, which is 
roughly the same number as registered hunters who are active there. Right. And from people that I talk to who do hunt, I'm not personally a hunter, so I had to ask around. <laughs> that does seem like a lot. You know, I think that sometimes people who are from cities who don't hunt might not understand that hunting is really deeply intertwined with like a sense of conservation and like really deep held values of conservation. So, you know, the, the person who brought me this story, a guy named Lawrence who hunts in Halliburton, his hunt club doesn't always take home the same number of deer as they do have people. Not everybody gets to bag one because they only want to take home what they can use. They'll eat that venison all winter long. Right. They'll be making soups with it. They'll be sharing it, but they don't take more than they need. That was also kind of why Lawrence brought me the story. He felt like taking that many deer and going about it in this way wasn't really true to what he thought the spirit of hunting should be. What about other game on the island? I understand, and I mentioned in the intro because it's pretty fascinating. They were posting to try to find a gamekeeper with the ability to raise 25,000 game birds for that island? Oh, yeah. And they're also like looking to make sure that the guests are always going to be hunting the most like beautiful, plump looking birds. Um, it's a pretty like big operation. Another weird thing is that the club's website advertises wild turkey hunting. But as far as I could tell, taking a deep dive into Ontario's hunting regulations, they actually don't allow wild turkey hunting on the island. And um, neither the club nor the province answered my questions about that. But yeah. Very strange things. Did the club or the province answer your questions about anything? No, Jordan, they didn't. <laughs> Why not? It seems like it just has the effect of making the story look perhaps a lot more fishy than it has to be. Yeah, I'm really asking myself the same question. Um, I think that like for many decades now, Griffith Island has attracted this kind of attention. I am not the first reporter to write about it. McLean's wrote about it. The Windsor Star, as I mentioned, wrote about it. At one point, um, the Toronto Star decades ago wrote about a labor dispute on the island where staff were alleging that they were being very underpaid. And so, yeah, like there's just kind of always been this air of mystery about it um, where it's been very hard to get information. You've mentioned, I think, the uh, Ontario Federation of Anglers and Hunters earlier in this chat. When you ask them about it, what do they say? Yeah, the, the Federation was actually against Griffith Island getting a longer season, which is something that I found really interesting. And for context, the Federation is a, a pretty powerful lobby group. I think um, back in the, the Mike Harris days in Ontario, when he was the premier, there were a lot of articles written about the sway that the uh, the Federation had at Queen's Park. They put in a submission saying that this was not a good idea. And the reason why they did that is because they are opposed to some people getting preferential access to hunting opportunities. One thing they pointed to is the way things work in Europe, where a lot of uh, hunting opportunities are limited to private land. And here, yes, a lot of hunting does happen on private land, but there's also a lot of crown land and there's also treaty rights to factor in. They, they're concerned that, that this could be going in the direction of what Europe has if things like what's happening on Griffith Island become the norm. That being said, the Federation also said, you know, they're private landowners. They're not doing anything wrong. Right. Uh, they're acting within the law and, and they can technically do whatever they want. 
Um, so yeah, that's a fair point. You mentioned treaty rights. Are there First Nations uh, near this land? Yeah, the island um, is originally Saugeen Ojibwe Nation territory. And the club on its own website talks about its history going all the way back to the days of Samuel de Champlain. But its history actually does go a lot further back. And in the past, uh, the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation has said that the Bruce Peninsula and the surrounding area of Georgian Bay, including those islands and Griffith Island, were, were stolen. Um, and I actually went back in the archives of the Globe and found an 1899 newspaper ad where what was in uh, the department managing relations with First Nations announced that it would accept bids for Griffith Island and all its timber. Um, so that's another complication. The nation didn't respond to me for this story, but yeah, I'd be really interested to hear what they think. Like, I do understand the point um, that you just made that, you know, this is a private club. It's private land. They can do what they want. On the other hand, it just seems really unfair that ordinary Ontario hunters get 13 days and they get 13 weeks. And I don't know why, and I don't understand it. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't understand it either. I think um, one thing that I would still really like to understand is how this happened. I did exchange some emails with the club's chairman, um, and he didn't answer when I asked him whether the club had requested this extension from the government. Ontario's lobbying registry doesn't show any record of contact between the current government and the club. Um, So that's a complete mystery to me. If there is a good reason, I think it would be helpful to know because it's not like I just happened upon this story and then I'm causing a kerfuffle, right? This has been something that's been written about for decades. And it, it came to me because people were concerned about it. Um, if you talk to people around like Owen Sound in Wyerton, they know about the island and people have opinions. I bet. That's, yeah, that's a case where some transparency might might help. The other thing is, like, technically, deer are public natural resources. The The government, the provincial government, is charged with managing them on our behalf. And that gets tricky because there's all these questions about treaty rights and whether these things are ours to take in the first place. But if you take that mission at face value and say, okay, Ontario is managing these resources on behalf of us, I think it's very fair to question how they're managing it. Is this how decisions are being made in the government? Are are these decisions repeatedly benefiting rich, powerful people? I think we should know that, and I think we should question it. Because if this is how wildlife are being managed on one little tiny island on Georgian Bay, how is the whole system being run? And and to me, that's really what this story is about. Emma, thank you so much for walking us through this. Um, It's fascinating and mysterious, and maybe one day we get some answers. Thank you. Emma McIntosh from the Narwhal. That was the big story. It's not often that we finish the story with more questions than we began it, but that was one of those times. If you have questions about any story that we publish, please do send them to us. If we can get answers, we will. If we can't, we'll pretend we never saw your letter. I'm just kidding. But if you do have ideas for what you'd like us to talk about, as always, send story ideas. If there's something that interests you for a conversation as we close out this year, send that suggestion along too. As you know, we don't publish breaking news episodes for the last two weeks of the year. We publish some fun things, some interesting things, some things you might have missed during the course of 2022. And we try to sum up 
exactly what the heck this year has been. To be honest with you, I don't know if I can do it, but we'll try. You can send your suggestions to us via Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can email us hello at TheBigStoryPodcast.ca. And you can call us and leave a voicemail 416-935-5935. The Big Story is available in every single podcast player and in every single smart speaker. You don't need me to tell you to rate and review, but it's my job, so I'm gonna. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split-screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.